The New England Patriots the other day got curb stomped by the San Francisco 49ers. 33-6. Now that's leading to a lot of people asking the question, what is wrong with the New England Patriots? And how to fix the New England Patriots? Now if you were to ask a random person on the street or a random NFL fan how to fix New England Patriots, I'm pretty sure he's going to say, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys in the conversation are going to say, the Patriots need to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Now listen, I understand that Trevor Lawrence is one of the best, if not the best quarterback prospect ever. Okay? But I mean, people act like Trevor Lawrence can play wide receiver, cornerback, safety, defensive end, running back, offensive line. Like, listen, everybody literally says that every team needs to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Like, listen, the Patriots do not need to tank for Trevor Lawrence. And do you think that Bill Belichick really wants to tank for Trevor Lawrence? Think about it. If the Patriots were to tank for Trevor Lawrence, that basically would be Bill Belichick waving the white flag, surrendering, and saying, you know what? I give up. You really think that Bill Belichick wants to give up and just go ahead and say, you know what? Forget about it. With many, many weeks left of this year's NFL season, he just wants to go ahead and forget about it. We're not even at week 10 yet. So, I mean, for Bill Belichick to just go ahead and wave the white flag and just go ahead and tank for Trevor Lawrence, I don't really think Bill Belichick wants to do that. And I don't really think that Bill Belichick is dumb enough to put all his faith into just one player who's never played the NFL snap. Okay, a lot of people are assuming that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next great thing. Okay, but we don't know because we've never seen this guy take an NFL snap. So, I mean, what's wrong with the Patriots? Well, obviously, we know that Cam Newton hasn't played great ever since he came back from the beer bug virus. Okay, he's been turning the football over, and he hasn't really been all that accurate. Okay? But, I mean, I don't really think that Cam Newton is as big as a problem as a lot of people make it out to be. And I think the biggest problem with the New England Patriots is the same problem with the Patriots last year when they had Tom Brady. They don't have any good wide receivers. Now, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, one of my homeboys, and he's a Patriots fan. And, he was, and I was telling him, I said, look, he asked me, JT, what's wrong with the Patriots? I said, the same thing I wrong with you guys last year. You guys don't have any wide receivers. He was like, oh, we got Julian Edelman. I said, listen, Julian Edelman is like 34 going on 35 years old. If Julian Edelman is your best wide receiver on your team, you have a problem, okay? Now, that's no offense to Julian Edelman. All I'm saying is that, on a championship caliber team or even a playoff team, Julian Edelman shouldn't be your number one wide receiver. So, I mean, that is a big problem. You also have Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry hasn't really been the player that we expected him to be when the Patriots drafted him in the first round a couple of years ago. So, I mean, for the Patriots, the first thing they have to do is they have to find a wide receiver, man. I mean, if I'm Bill Belichick right now, I would go ahead and make a trade for a guy like John Ross, okay? Because with John Ross, I think he's the perfect fit for the Patriots offense because one thing about Bill Belichick is like he likes fast wide receivers, and that's what John Ross is. He's one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. And for Bill Belichick right now, he desperately needs some help at that wide receiver position because, I mean, you don't really have any consistency at all. So, I mean, you have to get some help at wide receiver. Maybe you try to trade for A.J. Green or John Raw. I don't know, but the Patriots need to get somebody at wide receiver who can come in and produce. Because right now, the current guys that they have on their roster just aren't cutting. They can't create separation. It's a lot of drops. And then, on top of that, 
it's more than just the Patriots team. Like, the Patriots team, their offensive line is pretty solid. The defense is still one of the best defenses in the NFL. But aside from the wide receiver position, the Patriots got to go back to playing Patriots football. I mean, it's just too many penalties, too many turnovers. And, I mean, one of the biggest things for Bill Belichick has always been ball security. If you can't take care of the football, you're not going to win a lot of games. Well, you got the New England Patriots turning the football over like it's a freaking hot potato. So, I mean, it's no surprise why the Patriots have kind of struggled the last couple of weeks. You turn the football over, you're having a lot of penalties. The New England Patriots are not playing Patriots football. Or at least not a Patriots football that we're accustomed to. So, I mean, I don't know what this new Patriots team is all about. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick isn't tolerating all these turnovers. So, I mean, for the Patriots, man, you got to find a wide receiver and you got to start turning the football over so much because that's one of the biggest core philosophies that Bill Belichick lives by. Everybody doing your job, not turning the football over. So, I mean, him seeing the Patriots turn the football over two, three times a game, I know that has to be really frustrating for him, okay? Because how can you really solve your problems if one of your problems is amongst yourselves, which is not taking care of the football. So, I mean, the first thing that, if anything, before the Patriots try to make any trades is learn how to take care of the football because they certainly have not been doing that over the last couple of weeks. They also need to get back to trying to establish the run game. And, I mean, I th- they, I'm not saying that they haven't tried, but, I mean, listen, teams know what they have to do to beat the Patriots now. They have to stack the box, stop the run, stop Cam Newton, bottling him up, and force them to beat them through the air. And unless you have a Swiss cheese secondary, then, I mean, the Patriots aren't really going to have a big day through the air. So, I mean, for the Patriots, man, you got to find a legitimate wide receiver, okay? Or even just some wide receiver help in general. Like I said, trading for John Ross, I think that would be a pretty good pickup. It's a lot of upside. And John Ross is not a bust. Like, when John Ross is actually on the field, he is pretty good, okay? Like, even last year, like, he had a pretty good season. It got cut short due to injury. So, I mean, if you're Bill Belichick, I would take that risk because you don't really have anything else to lose, really. So, I mean, listen, Patriots, the problem isn't on defense. At quarterback, okay, Cam Newton does have to play better. But, I mean, they're turning the football over way too much, and they don't really have a legitimate wide receiver. So, I mean, those are the two big issues that I see with the New England Patriots. So, how to fix the New England Patriots? First of all, tell them to stop turning the football over. Whoever turns the football over has to do up-downs all next practice. Then try to find another wide receiver. Like I said, a John Ross, um, I don't really know. But, I mean, you have to find somebody. So, I mean, that's my solution on how to fix New England Patriots. I mean, the New England Patriots are not a bad team. Like, they still have a really, they still have a pretty solid offensive line. Okay, their defense is still amongst one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, that's obviously not the problem. So, I mean, for the Patriots, man, Cam Newton just has to play better. And, I mean, I don't believe that Jared Stidham is going to be an upgrade from Cam Newton. Like, I believe that if the Patriots were all in on Jared Stidham, he would have been starting right now. So the fact that the Patriots are still relying on Cam Newton just tells you that they don't really have a lot of faith in Jared Stidham. So, I mean, I don't really think that Jared Stidham is the answer for the New England Patriots. Because they had confidence in Jared Stidham. He, they never would even sign Cam Newton. So, I mean, I think that the Patriots need to find another wide receiver or at least find a couple of wide receivers who can come in and create some separation because the guys that they currently have on the roster right now can't do it. Hey, maybe you bring back Jeff Thomas, you know?
Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, who is the better quarterback right now? This is a trick question. This is like if somebody walks up to you and asks you, hey, which one is better? McDonald's or Burger King? KFC or Popeye's Chicken? All very good places to eat. All serve really good food. What it comes down to is personal preference. Which one do you like more? Which one do you prefer over the other? And when you look at Justin Herbert so far this season, he's thrown for 1,542 yards through the air, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, and is completing 67% of his passes. Joe Burrow has thrown for 2,023 passing yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, and it's completing 66.6% of his passes. So me personally, I would have to go with Justin Herbert. Okay, I think that Justin Herbert for right now, in my opinion, is better than Joe Burrow. And I know what a lot of people are going to say. A lot of people are going to say, oh, JT, Justin Herbert has more to work with than Joe Burrow. If you put Justin Herbert on the Bengals and Joe Burrow on the Chargers, Joe Burrow will be better than Justin Herbert. And listen, I can understand that reasoning, but I don't like to speculate. Okay, like we would never see Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow ever trade bodies or ever swap teams. So we can only go with what we are seeing right now. We can only go by the eye test. Okay, and from the eye test right now, both of these guys are really great rookie quarterbacks. But I'm going to say Justin Herbert is better right now because... Justin Herbert has went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees. He's not making mistakes. He's not turning the football over. Yeah, he has a couple of hiccups here and there when he throws an interception into, you know, triple coverage that he has no business throwing. But, I mean, Justin Herbert has looked really impressive. Okay, and come down to draft, Joe Burrow was regarded as the best quarterback. Okay. He was the most pro-ready quarterback, the quarterback who could start right away and win games for you. But Justin Herbert had the most upside out of any quarterback coming out of this past year's NFL draft. Joe Burrow was better going in, but Justin Herbert had more potential. And we can see that right now on the field in display. Justin Herbert with his arm strength, with what he's able to do with his athleticism, his mobility, and also Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is pinpoint accurate. Joe Burrow is way more accurate than Justin Herbert, okay? And Joe Burrow also has mobility as well. So they can both scramble out of the pocket. They can both extend plays. They can also pick up yards with their legs as well if they have to, okay? And I understand that Joe Burrow is in a way worse situation than what Justin Herbert is in because Justin Herbert has a pretty solid offensive line, a better coaching staff, but they both have pretty good groups of wide receivers. They both have pretty much the same amount to work with on offense in terms of the skill position. It's just that the Chargers have a slightly better offensive line than what Joe Burrow has to work with. But even then, Justin Herbert and what he's done so far, his arm strength is absolutely incredible. Okay, like the throws that Justin Herbert makes, Joe Burrow wouldn't be able to make. Okay, when the pocket is collapsing for the LA Chargers, Justin Herbert can actually drop back, throw the ball on one leg, and still get the ball out to his wide receivers because of pure arm strength. And that's something that Joe Burrow doesn't have. 
And I'm not saying that Justin Herbert is better than Joe Burrow right now because he's just, you know, has better intangibles, better physical abilities. I'm just saying from the play that I've seen out of Justin Herbert, I would take him over Joe Burrow, okay? And like I said, there is not a right or wrong answer to this question. It just comes down to personal preference. Which quarterback do you prefer more? Okay, a lot of people may prefer Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is a better decision maker. He's way more accurate, okay? And I mean, me and some other people may prefer um, Justin Herbert because although he may take a lot of risk, he has an incredible arm, okay? And he has a little bit more athleticism than what Joe Burrow has. So a lot of people may prefer the quarterback who has a way stronger arm over the quarterback who doesn't have as good as a as good as an arm, but is a better decision maker. Me, I like to see big plays. I like to see a lot of deep shots taken down the field, okay? So when I watch Justin Herbert, I can be nothing but impressed, okay? And I'm really impressed with Joe Burrow as well. There really isn't a right or wrong answer. I just like Justin Herbert more than I like Joe Burrow. And the reason for that is because Justin Herbert has looked really good in the games that he's played so far. And so has Joe Burrow. It's just that I think that Justin Herbert has played better. And I know a lot of Bengals fans may get upset with that. They're probably going to say the old cliche thing. Put Herbert on the Bengals, he struggles. Put Burrow on the Chargers, he thrives. Okay? And here's my thing with that. Like I said earlier, we can only go by what we see on the field. We can't speculate. We can't make assumptions. Because if you put Joe Burrow on the Chargers, he won't be able to make the plays that Justin Herbert is able to make, okay? Because a lot of plays that Justin Herbert has made with the Chargers has came from sometimes just pure arm strength. Like when the pocket's collapsing, he's dropping back, literally throwing the ball off one leg and still getting the ball to his wide receivers with great velocity and great throwing power behind it, okay? Joe Burrow, a lot of throws that Justin Herbert is able to make, Joe Burrow wouldn't be able to make. So, I mean... Yes, Justin Herbert is in a better situation, but I mean, when you look at what Justin Herbert is able to do, it just shows me that I believe that Justin Herbert right now, I would take him over Joe Burrow. So I think that Justin Herbert is the better quarterback than Joe Burrow right now. And that may be a hot take. A lot of people are probably going to disagree with that, but that's just how I feel. I think that Justin Herbert right now, I would take him over Joe Burrow. Like I said, this is really a question that comes down to personal preference. It's like when somebody was asking you who you like, Burger King or McDonald's, it all comes down to your opinion and which one do you prefer. Me personally, I prefer Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow because I like a quarterback who has a strong arm, who can throw the ball nearly the whole entire field and has that big play ability. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, yes, he has the ability to make big plays, but he doesn't possess the arm talent that Justin Herbert has. So really, it just comes down to taste, which one you like more. I favor Justin Herbert more than I would Joe Burrow. They're both great quarterbacks, not taking anything away, but I think I would prefer Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow right now. It's time for my NFL Week 7 takeaways. My biggest takeaways from this past week of NFL action. So, my first takeaway is that the Steelers and the Titans are both legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Tennessee Titans this past week, 27-24. to 
And this was a game that looked like the Steelers were going to have complete control, that the Steelers were just going to blow out the Tennessee Titans. And in the second half, the Tennessee Titans were able to fight back and they almost won. The game would have went into overtime if the Tennessee Titans field goal kicker didn't miss the game time field goal to send the game into overtime. And I mean, we could potentially see both these two teams in the AFC Championship game and the next couple of months in a rematch because both of these two teams are just that good. They're pretty much evenly matched. I mean, if the Steelers were to wake up and look at themselves in the mirror, they would see the Tennessee Titans. If the Tennessee Titans were to wake up and look in the mirror, they would see the Pittsburgh Steelers. So both of those two teams are both evenly matched. They both have really good defensive lines. They both have really balanced attacks on the offense. They can run the ball if they have to. If the running game isn't going, they can throw the football to win. So, I mean, the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers are both legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both those teams match up in a rematch in the AFC Conference Championship game. The next thing is that the Buffalo Bills, man, I really whiffed on the Buffalo Bills. A couple of weeks ago, I said that the Buffalo Bills are for real. They are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Now, I made that video three weeks ago, right before the Buffalo Bills got smacked by the Tennessee Titans, okay? And ever since then, I have drastically changed my opinion and my perspective on the Buffalo Bills. After seeing the Buffalo Bills the last three weeks, they got smacked by Tennessee, they got smacked by Kansas City, and they struggled to defeat the New York Jets. They only beat the New York Jets 18-10. And after their recent performances of late, I've changed my opinion on the Buffalo Bills. I do not believe that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. And when I said that the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl contenders a couple of weeks ago, this was really naive on my part because I should have waited a couple of more weeks. I should have at least waited to after the Tennessee Titans game to see if I believe that they were Super Bowl contenders or not. But after their performance against the New York Jets, I don't believe that the Buffalo Bills are in the same conversation as the Kansas City Chiefs, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Tennessee Titans. They're not dominant up front. Their off the line hasn't played all that great. They can't really run the football all that effectively. And their defensive line isn't all that great neither. Now, just because I don't believe that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders doesn't mean that I don't still believe that this is a good football team. I still believe that the Buffalo Bills are still the front runners to win their division. Although I believe that's pretty much wide open at this point, even though that the Buffalo Bills have the best record right now in their division, I believe that the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins both have good opportunities to take control of that division based on how Buffalo has played recently. And for a lot of you guys who are going to disagree and say that all oh, the Buffalo Bills have just had a rough um stretch in the schedule i mean they have to play the patriots the seahawks the cardinals the chargers the 49ers and the Steelers in the next couple of games so i mean i don't really think that the buffalo bills are going to come away winning the majority of those games i think they could end up losing three of those games so i mean listen even though i don't believe that the buffalo bills are super bowl contenders this still is a team that can make it to the playoffs and win a playoff game or two but as far as making it to the Super Bowl, I think they have pretty low chances. I don't really think you can put the Buffalo Bills in the same category as teams like the Chiefs, the Steelers, and Tennessee. Because what all three of those teams have in common is that they're both good, or all three of those teams are all good up front on the line of scrimmage. And for the Buffalo Bills, they can't really win at the line of scrimmage all that dominantly like the Chiefs, Steelers, and the Titans can. 
So Josh Allen, I mean, he had an okay game against the New York Jets. But, I mean, all in all, man, I really don't like what I've been seeing out of the Buffalo Bills over the past three weeks. So, I'm going to whiff on the Buffalo Bills. After week seven, I'm coming away with the narrative that I don't believe that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. And I know that I said that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders a couple of weeks ago, but I have a right to change my opinion. Part of my job as an analyst is to look at how these teams play and, you know, assess from what I'm seeing on the field. And... From the first four weeks of the NFL season, the Buffalo Bills look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And after the last three weeks, I have to change my opinion based on what I've seen out of the Buffalo Bills and say that they are no longer Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. So, the next takeaway is that the NFC West is up for grabs. Anybody can win the NFC West at this point. A lot of people were saying that the Seattle Seahawks were the best team in this division. And I was trying to tell people, I said, look, it may look like that, but give it a little bit more time, okay? Because the mistake that I made with the Buffalo Bills is jumping on the bandwagon too early. Well, with the Seattle Seahawks, I was hesitant to hop on the bandwagon. I even made a video saying that I don't believe that the Seattle Seahawks are the best team in the NFC. And the reason for that was because of their defense, okay? Seattle's defense is not good. And we saw that against Arizona. Now, although Seattle did give the ball away, a good amount of times to take Arizona's defense. Arizona's defense came up clutch when it mattered the most. And that was a big reason why they won the game. Meanwhile, Seattle's defense hasn't really been all that great for basically the entire season. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, they're missing some of their best players. Jamal Adams isn't playing and things like that. And I don't understand that. But even when the Seattle Seahawks defense was at full maximum power and when they were fully healthy, they still weren't all that great. Okay, they still rank in the bottom of the NFL in total defense. This was before the injuries they've had. So anybody can really win the NFC West right now. Arizona is peaking at the right time. Arizona had a rough first couple of weeks. After week two, they kind of struggled. They lost to Detroit. They struggled with Carolina. But, I mean, after that, Arizona has really stepped up their play. They're 5-2 and two right now. The Rams are 5-2. and two. They just defeated the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football, which although the Chicago Bears have a terrible offense, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And the 49ers right now, don't sleep on the 49ers. They are currently 4-3 and three right now. And although they are in last place in this division, I mean, you can't count them out because they have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL with Robert Sala, Kyle Shanahan. So although the 49ers may be the less talented team of the other three teams because of injuries, this is still a team that you can't count out. So all four of these teams have a chance to win the NFC West. Now, I still feel like the Seattle Seahawks should be the favorites, but this division right now is up for grabs. Anybody can win it. It may be the most competitive division in the NFL, depending on how you look at the AFC North, even though I think that the West is better because the AFC North only has three good teams. They have the Bengals, who aren't that great, who are in last place, and they got the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns. So the NFC West, man, has four teams who could legitimately win this division. So the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC after beating the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, a couple of weeks ago, like two weeks or a week and a half, I said that the Packers were the best team in the NFC. Well, I changed my opinion, and I believe that the Buccaneers rightfully own that title. The Buccaneers are good defensively, 
And this offense is clicking on all the cylinders right now. And a lot of people before the season kicked off were saying that the Buccaneers were going to be this great team. And once the season started, the Buccaneers struggled out the gate. And a lot of people were quick to hop off the bandwagon. And I was telling people, I was like, look, you got to understand something. No preseason, not really a lot of time to practice in training camp. Tom Brady and his Buccaneers offense were going to have a rough couple of weeks. But given it, it around like week six, week seven, week eight, this Buccaneers offense will be clicking on all cylinders, and that's what they're doing right now. I mean, against the Las Vegas Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders team that I remind you is pretty formidable. Okay, the Las Vegas Raiders are a pretty solid football team. They could be in the hunt of making it into the playoffs this season. And they beat them 45-20. to 20. So when you look at this Buccaneers offense, with the addition of Antonio Brown, you got Rock Kontoski, who now is starting to show us the Rock Kontoski we've been watching for the last couple of years when him and Tom Brady were both playing for the New England Patriots. It looks like the old Gronk is back. You add in Antonio Brown with an already impressive wide receiving core. Remind you, before they signed Antonio Brown, they already had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who when both of those guys are on the field and when both of those two guys are healthy, that's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver duo in the NFL. So now you add Antonio Brown. So you have the best wide receiving core undoubtedly in the NFL. Plus, Tampa Bay can run the football. On top of that, this defense has played really well. You have Antoine Winfield, who looks like he could end up winning defensive rookie of the year by landslide. You have Levante David, who ends up who has been playing like he could be in the running for defensive player of the year. So I mean this defense has played really well. Jamal Dean, Carlton Davis have both played really exceptional over the last couple of weeks. They've really picked up their play. So I mean, this is a really complete team. Temple Bay, in my opinion, after week seven, I think that this is the best team in the NFC. This is the team that we expected to see before the season began. Justin Herbert is the rookie of the year so far going into week eight. I mean, I know he's only played in less games than Joe Burrow, but I mean, listen, Justin Herbert has had one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen since Deshaun Watson. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. I mean, a lot of people felt like Justin Herbert was going to be the next Mr. Trubisky. He has proved a lot of people wrong. Now, I wasn't one of those doubters. I always believed that Justin Herbert was going to end up being a pretty good NFL quarterback. I felt like a lot of people were too nitpicky with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 27-43, 347 passing yards, four touchdowns. He had three touchdowns through the air and one on the ground as well. And the Chargers defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 39-29. And listen, this is a dangerous L.A. Chargers football team right now. Watch out for the L.A. Chargers because the L.A. Chargers, although they may be 2-4 right now, this is a team that has the ability to change their record around and can easily go from 2-4 to being a playoff contender or contending for a playoff spot. So make sure with the way that Justin Herbert has been playing, the LA Chargers can most definitely make a run at the playoffs. So keep your eye on the LA Chargers right now. But I think that Justin Herbert so far is the rookie of the year. And I know a lot of people are going to say Joe Burrow and things like that. Listen, Justin Herbert has played better than Joe Burrow so far. And I know Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are pretty much neck and neck. But, I mean, when you look at what Justin Herbert has did over the last couple of weeks, ever since he's took over the reins at quarterback for the Chargers, man, he's been nothing less than spectacular. So, 
if the NFL season was to end the day and they had to give the Rookie of the Year award away, it would be given to Justin Herbert. My last takeaway is the Browns defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 37-34, moving to 5-2 on the year. Now, you lose Odell Beckham for the rest of the season, which is a big blow because Odell Beckham was having one of his best seasons that he's had in a really long time. And the fact that he's going to be out for the remainder of the season due to a season-ending ACL tear is a big loss for the Cleveland Browns. But despite that, I still believe that the Browns are a playoff team. Okay, like, it's funny. Baker Mayfield started the game out, ending the first quarter, 0-5 with one interception. And a lot of people were labeling Baker Mayfield a buzz, saying that the Browns were not going to be good, that the Browns were going to end up folding. And Baker Mayfield ends up throwing like four or five straight touchdown passes. He bounced back from a terrible first quarter and got absolutely hot. And nobody wants to give him any credit for it. Okay, it's funny because people are like, oh, Baker Mayfield is struggling against the Cleveland Browns on five, one interception after the first quarter. Then he comes back and people say, oh, JT is just the Bengals. The Bengals have the worst defense in the NFL. Like, give Baker Mayfield and this Browns team their props. Okay, the Browns are a playoff team. Even though they may struggle against some of the best teams in the NFL, this is still a playoff caliber team. So after week seven, I'm still not whiffing on my Cleveland Browns prediction. I still believe that the Browns are going to make the playoffs this year. So this is it for my NFL week seven takeaways. Let me know what you guys think about them. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be traveling on the road to face the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this game is my game of the week, and it's going to be played on CBS with a 1 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Now, for the life of me, I cannot understand why this game is not being played in prime time on NBC Sunday Night Football, okay? Because this game is going to feature two of the best teams in the AFC. The Steelers are 6-0. They're going to be risking their undefeated record taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Whoever wins this game is going to somewhat be in the driver's seat of the AFC North Division. And instead of seeing this game, which should be rightfully played on Sunday Night Football for millions to watch, this game is going to be played on CBS 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And do you know what game is going to be played on Sunday Night Football over this game between two of the best teams in the AFC? We got to see the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Dallas Cowboys to see who's going to take control of the toilet bowl division. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles both suck, okay? I don't understand why the NFL continues this agenda to push the Dallas Cowboys on us. The Dallas Cowboys, for a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl and doggone near 100 million years, continues to get these primetime games even though they're not good and they don't deserve them. I don't understand why Philadelphia and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be played on Sunday Night Football instead of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens? Two teams that suck are going to be playing in prime time over two teams that are actually good that are both contenders to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Doesn't make any sense to me. And because of that, I'm not going to be watching that Dallas Cowboys and that Philadelphia Eagles game. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be protesting. Okay, that's my protest. I'm so tired of the NFL doing that crap. I don't want to watch the Dallas Cowboys. They suck. They may not even have Andy Dawn playing that game. So we got to watch a third-string quarterback play on Sunday Night Football over the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. 
It makes no sense to me, and it really irritates me, man. It just really irritates me. So now that I have that ran out of my system, let's talk about the actual game at hand. So Pittsburgh 6-0 going against the 5-1 Baltimore Ravens. So last week, the Steelers defeated the Tennessee Titans 27-24. The Pittsburgh Steelers, without a doubt, are one of the best teams in the NFL. And the biggest storyline heading into this game is going to be are the Baltimore Ravens going to be able to run the ball against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense? Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the second-best run defense in the NFL. They're second in the NFL in rushing yards per game allowed, only allowing 68 rushing yards per game. They also allow 3.4 yards per carry, which is second in the NFL. And teams only run the ball on the Pittsburgh Steelers 34.86% of the time, which is also first in the NFL. Meanwhile, you have a Baltimore Ravens offense that loves to run the football. They're number one in rushing yards per game with 164.3. They're first in the NFL in yards per attempt, 5.4. And they run the ball more than any other team in the NFL. They call running plays 50% of the time, which is also first in the NFL. So are the Ravens going to have success running the ball on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Now, if you're a Steelers fan, you're coming into this mindset that the Steelers are going to be able to stop this Baltimore Ravens rushing attack because you were able to stop Cleveland, who at the time had one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. You held them to less than 100 yards rushing, and you were also able to stop Derrick Henry. He didn't even have 100 yards rushing. But just because you were able to stop the Tennessee Titans and the Cleveland Browns, who have two of the best rushing attacks in the NFL, doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop this rushing attack of Baltimore, okay? And for Steelers fans, you can't come to this mindset that the Baltimore Ravens are not going to try to run the football because the Steelers have the best run defense in the NFL. Nobody's going to care about that. Nobody in the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff is going to come into this game with the mindset that, oh, man, we're not going to be able to run the ball because no other team in Piss- no other team that has faced against the Pittsburgh Steelers has been able to have success running the ball. The Baltimore Ravens coaches aren't going to come into that game with that mindset. Baltimore is going to try to run the football. And to be quite honest with you, the Steelers may have a more difficult time stopping this run game of Baltimore than they have stopping the run game of Cleveland and Tennessee. And the reason for that is because Tennessee and Cleveland didn't have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. You see, a lot of Steelers fans keep saying that, oh, we stopped the run games of Cleveland and Tennessee. We're going to be able to do the same thing against Baltimore. It's completely different. Against Tennessee and Cleveland, the only thing you had to worry about was stopping these running backs from running downhill. Now you have to face a Baltimore Ravens team that is going to have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobson, Gus Edwards. And you also got to stop Lamar Jackson. Okay, so you're not game planning it just to stop just these running backs. You're game planning to stop Lamar Jackson as well. Okay, so that's what makes this game so interesting. Because a lot of Steelers fans, it's easy to say that we're going to stop the run game. Because, you know, no other team has been able to have success running the football on the Steelers. But it's more to it than just stopping the run game, than just stopping the running backs. You have to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. And I feel like a lot of Steelers fans aren't really taking that into account. They're just saying that, hey, we're going to stop this Ravens rushing attack because we're able to stop the rushing attack of Tennessee and Cleveland. It's a lot difficult to stop this rushing attack of Baltimore because you have to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. And another misconception in this game is the fact that a lot of people keep saying that the Kansas City Chiefs were able to shut down this Baltimore Ravens rushing attack so the Steelers will be able to do the same thing. Kansas City 
did not shut down this Ravens run game like a lot of you people think. Okay, the Ravens against the Kansas City Chiefs still had 158 yards on the ground as a team. They were averaging 7.5 yards per attempt. The only reason Kansas City stopped the run game of Baltimore was because they were up by so many points that Baltimore just decided to abandon the run game and decided to try to throw the football to win the game. Okay, so Baltimore had success running the ball against Kansas City. They were averaging seven and a half yards per carry. So the narrative that people are saying that Kansas City shut down this Ravens on uh, rushing attack is false. Okay, the Ravens had to abandon the run game because they were down by so many points. So my question for the Ravens is going to be, how patient is Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, going to be with allowing this run game to develop? Because one thing about Greg Roman this year is the fact that he hasn't really been really patient with the run game. It seems like he rather, instead of, you know, letting the run game come to the Ravens, he just decides to abandon it and just tries to throw the football to win games. And the Ravens are not a passing team. The Ravens, unlike Tennessee, are not balanced. And I know a lot of Ravens fans are probably going to get upset with me saying that, but the Ravens are a running football team. If you were to ask... Any coach currently on the Ravens coaching staff right now, do they have, which one would they prefer? Do they have confidence in the run game or the passing game? Which one do they have more confidence in? They will tell you without a doubt that they have the most confidence in the run game. The Ravens do not want to have to try to win this game by throwing the football. As a matter of fact, the Ravens passing game has not been great. They're 27th in the NFL in passing yards. Um, well, they're actually 31st in the NFL in pass yards per game with 177. So they are throwing for less than 200 yards per game. They're also 27th in the NFL in sacks allowed. Last year, the Baltimore Ravens only allowed 23 sacks in all 16 games last year in 2019. Meanwhile, they have allowed 15 sacks in only six games that they played so far this season. So it's off the line for Baltimore has been struggling. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line, which has been the best the line and getting pressure on the quarterback this year against a struggling Baltimore Ravens off the line that has struggled to protect um, Lamar Jackson. That's not a matchup that the Ravens coaching staff wants to get into. The Ravens do not want to get into a game where they have to completely abandon the run game and have to win the game throwing the ball against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense because it just is a complete mismatch. With the way the Ravens off the line has performed so far this season, the Ravens coaching staff, I don't think they really have a lot of confidence in their passing game being able to get the win by just strictly throwing the football on this Steelers defense. So the Ravens want to run the football. The question is, are they going to be able to do so against this defense? Now, meanwhile, you look at the Steelers offensive line versus the Baltimore Ravens defensive line. Now, the Baltimore Ravens defense in general is one of the most talented defenses in the NFL. I mean, they're secondary. Okay, you got Marcus Peters, you got Marlon Humphrey, you got Deshaun the Joker Elliott, who is one of my favorite players in the NFL. You also have Yankee Gakwa, who you just recently traded for in the trade with the Minnesota Vikings. You got him now. You already add him to an already taunted defensive line with Calais Campbell, okay, with um, Matthew Judon. So this is a really great defense that this Steelers offense is going to be matched up against. And last week, Pittsburgh's offense played really good in the first half against Tennessee. But in the second half, Tennessee's defense got the best of Pittsburgh. And if it wasn't for a missed field goal by Gostowski, that game would have went into overtime. 
So, I mean, for Pittsburgh, are you going to be able to win up front? Okay, same thing with the Baltimore Ravens. Is the Baltimore Ravens off the line going to be able to win up front? So, with the Steelers off the line, the Steelers are fifth in the NFL in sacks allowed. They allow the fifth least sacks in the NFL. Meanwhile, you're facing the Baltimore Ravens deep the line or Baltimore Ravens defense that's fifth in the NFL in sacks per game. So, the Steelers allow the fifth least amount of sacks in the NFL versus a Ravens deep the line that's coming into this game in fifth in sacks per game. So, are the Steelers going to be able to protect Ben Roethlisberger? Now, Tennessee has a pretty good defensive line. They have a pretty good front seven. They're really good getting after the quarterback. But you're facing a Boston Ravens team that's also better than what Tennessee is at getting pressure on the quarterback. And also remind you that they just traded for Yankee Gakwe. So, how's the Steelers off the line going to hold up? Is Big Ben, how long is he going to have to throw the football? Okay? Then another thing is going to be, the Steelers, when it comes to running the football, the Steelers are averaging 4.2 yards per carry every time they run the football. Meanwhile, Baltimore is allowing 4.6 yards per rush, which is 23rd in the NFL. So you're looking at a Steelers team that is a balanced football team. Okay, Pittsburgh is not a one-trick pony. Pittsburgh does not have to throw the football all game long to win. They can run the football and they can throw the football. They're balanced. Unlike Baltimore's offense, Baltimore's offense is not really all that balanced. This really is a running football team. And if the Ravens can't run the football, then I don't think the Ravens are going to have a chance at winning this game against the Steelers' defense. Because when you look at how Baltimore's offensive line has played all season, remind you, this was an offensive line that last year only allowed 23 sacks. And that was in 16 games. Meanwhile, this season, fast forward to 2020, this was an offensive line that went from allowing 23 sacks in 16 games to allowing 15 sacks in only six games. So I don't really think this Baltimore Ravens coaching staff wants to get into a shootout where they have to throw the football to win the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense because I don't really think that's a favorable matchup. Meanwhile, you have a Steelers offensive line that's been playing incredibly well versus a Baltimore Ravens defensive line that's also been playing incredibly well. Also, the secondary of Baltimore is absolutely outstanding. The Baltimore Ravens have the most talented secondary in the NFL without a doubt. You have pretty much one of the best cornerback tandems in the NFL and Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And you're going to have to figure out a way to stop these wide receivers of Pittsburgh because they have a bunch of them. You have Chase Claypool. You have Deontay Johnson. You have Juju Smith-Schuster. You also have to try to stop Eric Ebron. Okay, so for Baltimore, your cornerbacks are going to have to have a really big game. Okay, and for Baltimore, on the offensive side of the football, their wide receiving core is pretty shaky. Okay, aside from Marquise Hollywood-Brown, they don't really have another wide receiver who can, you know, create separation. And that's going to be a big disadvantage. And I think that's one reason why Baltimore's passing game hasn't been all that strong this season. Now, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the biggest question in this game is going to be, can you limit the turnovers? Now, Big Ben... Choked the football up three times last week against Tennessee. Now, albeit two of those interceptions, really, one of them was like a, basically a Hail Mary before halftime. It wasn't really a Hail Mary, but Big Ben just threw the ball up and tried to see if they could have a wide receiver to come down with it. Ended up getting picked off. Then you had the second interception on the day, which basically was tipped at the line of scrimmage. And it got tipped up like 50 feet in the air, and it came down, and the Tennessee Times defender came down with it. Now, the third interception, which was a forced pass that he tried to throw into, like, triple coverage to Judas Schuster, that one got picked off. So, Big Ben, um, really, his decision-making was a really, really questionable last week against Tennessee. But at the end of the day, 
He has to be able to take care of the football if the Steelers want to be able to win this game. Okay, because we have a team like Baltimore that likes to run the football, wants to control the clock. You don't want to give this team any extra possessions and put your defense at a disadvantage on a short field. Okay, now another thing is going to be, can Baltimore get off the field on third down? Now, the Steelers were really efficient on third down last week against Tennessee. Baltimore has one of the best third down defenses in the NFL. So I want to see... Who's going to prevail? Can the Ravens go off the field on third down? Or can the Steelers keep the drive alive on third down versus a really good third down defense that the Ravens possess? So, for me, the team that I'm going to take this to win this game, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to get the victory here. I think that the reason why the Steelers are going to win this game is for the fact that I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens are going to be able to have success throwing the football, Okay. And listen, if the Ravens are able to come in here and run the football all game long against the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line, all power to them. But I don't really think that's going to happen. At the end of the day, Ravens fans can say what they want to. At the end of the day, you're going to have to throw the football somewhere sometime if you want to be able to win this game. And I'm looking at the Ravens offensive line that right now has allowed 15 sacks in the NFL, the 27th in the NFL in sacks per game allowed, which isn't good. So I'm looking at a team that can't protect the quarterback. And you're facing a defensive line that's one of the best defensive lines in the NFL and the best defense in the NFL and getting pressure on the quarterback, okay? Now, albeit Lamar Jackson has the skill ability and has all this mobility, that's going to be something that Pittsburgh's going to have to game plan for. But I don't think that Lamar Jackson is going to be to the fact that oh, every time he runs the football and the pocket breaks down, that he's just going to break out of sacks and things like that because I don't think that's going to happen, Okay. So I don't have a lot of confidence in Baltimore being able to throw the football to win this game. And I think that's what the game plan is going to be for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers coming in. Because here's what Mike Tomlin is going to say. He's going to say, you know what? We are going to dare Baltimore to beat us through the air. We're going to force Baltimore to beat us with these other wide receivers like Miles Boykin or Devin Duvernay. Okay? We're going to try to take away um, Hollywood Brown. And we're going to try to neutralize Mark Andrews. And we're going to force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to some other wide receivers. Okay, so I think if you're Mike Tomlin and you're the defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're basically going to dare Baltimore to beat you by throwing the football. And with the way that Baltimore's passing game has been this year, I'd rather Baltimore have success throwing the ball on Pittsburgh versus running the football all game. So I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be able to keep Baltimore from having a lot of success through the air. I still do think that this is a game that can go either way, but I'm going to take Pittsburgh to win this one. 20-17 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Steelers.